Hey, I'm Sarah. And I'm Victoria. And you're listening to the Becoming a Bearcat podcast, a series intended for new incoming students and their families of Binghamton University. On this series, we will cover topics a new Binghamton Bearcat should know, from the delicious food on campus to mental wellness and everything in between. Stick around for tips and tricks that will help prepare you during your journey of Becoming a Bearcat. Hello everyone and welcome to our second to last episode of the series. I can't believe we are already wrapping up. This episode's theme is on belonging and transition, two pretty big and important topics. We wanted to focus on this specifically because it differs from our other themes we have covered in previous episodes, like building an identity or learning about the Binghamton community. Yes, belonging and transition are more about students finding their place and their people on campus and feeling comfortable, like they are at their home away from home. So to help us learn about this, we have a few guests on today that will talk about the supportive resources we have on campus and how students can connect with each other in a positive way. Yeah, so we have Amy from Residential Life who will talk all about living on campus and the staff that supports students. Just like myself as a residential assistant, we will also have student interns from Student Conduct Office who will share tips on how to deal with conflict, especially if disagreements arise between roommates. We then will have interns from both our Multicultural Resource Center and the Q Center share what they have to offer to help students find belonging on campus. So let's jump into our first guest interview with Amy Pollock-Drake, who is one of two interim directors of Residential Life on campus. Victoria and I both have experience working in Residential Life and can talk about it for a very long time, so we will let Amy do most of the talking here, but we will share our thoughts and tips afterwards. So let's listen to that interview now. All right, so I am here with Amy from the Residential Life Office. Amy, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your office does? Hi, Sarah. Yep, my name is Amy Pollock-Drake. I'm an interim director in Residential Life, and Residential Life is the main office for where students live. So our office oversees helping students build community, but also we're a big part of making sure that residence halls are functioning and the operation is running smoothly. So residential life is a big operation, but our main goal is to help students build community and get to know each other. Great. So let's jump right into our questions. You have many staff members in your office and some of them live in the buildings with students. Can you talk about the staffing structure within residential life? Sure. We do have a really large staff um, to support all of our students. So um, I'll start at the level of who lives on the floor with students. So on every floor or wing or part of a building, we have RAs, resident assistants. They're there to be a peer support. They are really well trained. They come back more than a week early to get trained to help students. And their job is to assist students to build community with each other refer students to campus resources. They're super knowledgeable about how to find help or assistance on campus. And um, they're really just there to be able to help students problem solve. Then we have professional staff members who live in our buildings, assistant residential coordinators who are graduate students who work part-time, and then full-time resident directors. And their job is to oversee the community and the building. So they um, support RAs and supervise them. They help oversee um, the big community building efforts and the large scale uh, 
um, traditions and events that are put on. And they're also there to make sure that the buildings run smoothly. So if um, something comes up, you know, say um, a washing machine is out of order, they can help facilitate getting that information to the right people. Um, then from there, we have area coordinators who are um, full-time staff members, professional staff members who live in the area. They serve in an RD role, just like I described before, but they also help oversee the full area. So um, that's the collection of buildings in any given area. They help provide guidance and with the really large scale events, they oversee those. Um, and they are just really knowledgeable staff members who can support students. Um, assistant directors are full-time professional staff members who live off campus. They supervise all of our live-in professional staff members, and they provide overall vision and administrative support to the residential communities. And then finally, last but not least, is our support staff. So students, um, each area will residential area has an area office that is staffed by a support staff member um, and mo lots of our support staff members are some of our most knowledgeable staff members they've been here a long time often and they can do things like assist with room changes if a student gets locked out during the day they help with that um, and they can also connect students to facilities if there's an issue that needs to be resolved in a room or the building. Great. So what makes Residential Life at Binghamton University unique? Residential Life at Binghamton is a really cool and special place. So we have what's called the collegiate structure, which I think students are probably at this point somewhat familiar with, but in case not, it is essentially each area um, has its own identity and um, is staffed in a unique way with a faculty partnership. So what's unique about that is a lot of times students at Binghamton will feel connected to the college that they live in. So Newing College, College in the Woods, um, etc. And in each of those areas, we have collegiate professors who are tenured faculty who help bridge the academic and residential experience for students. Um, they, the collegiate professors are a big part of our learning communities, and but they also want to show up and have interactions with students. So you'll see them at the fun events as well. And then the other thing we have, particularly up in the apartments, but certainly um, support outside of the apartments is our career consultants in residence. These are Fleischman Center staff, and we have a new um, grad student as well who assists residential students in their exploration of career and professional options. That's um, some of what makes Binghamton Residential Life really unique. So you talked um, a little bit about this already, but can you talk about the different residential communities on campus and some of the traditions that they have? Yeah, so incoming um, new students are going to be living on lower campus. So our communities are um, Newing, Dickinson, College in the Woods, Hinman, and Mountain View. And each community really does have its own unique point of view. And so I want to highlight a couple of things. So um for instance, College in the Woods has a really cool tradition called Casino in the Woods. And it they every year this has been going on for decades. They actually get a one night only license for gambling and all of the proceeds go towards a different charity every year. So that's a really fun, super long-standing tradition. Students from all over campus come to it, but it's hosted in College in the Woods and there's a different theme every year. Um, and then um, Hinman, has a ton of really cool traditions. 
Um, but to highlight one, they have dorm wars. And so that is all of the five buildings in Hinman have a couple of days where they do different competitions that range from creative to athletic. And um, some of the other areas have a dorm wars-like tradition, so stay tuned if you don't live in Hinman and that sounds cool. A lot of, a lot of them have something like that, but um, with their own spin. Dickinson calls their version of that um, mutant mania. So all of the areas have really cool events, large-scale events that are targeting the community that are often long-standing traditions um, sprinkled in with some new ones. So Mountain View is one of our newer communities and they have a tradition in the spring that they watch for when the salamanders come out. I don't know, not to get too tangential, but the, there um, is a time typically in April where um, the salamanders in the nature preserve cross the connector road out back and Mountain View hosts a big tradition around salamander days when that happens. And they there's a watch party for when they cross, but then there's also, you know, area-specific events to celebrate that unique tradition. So every area has something to look forward to, multiple traditions. And then, like I said, some of the areas actually invite people to come to their traditions, like Casino in the Woods. Great. So our theme for this episode is transition and belonging. So how can residential life aid in a new student's transition to coming to college and finding belonging on campus? That's a great question. And this is really what we look forward to. So the number one way to transition into college is to get to know your RA. RAs are RAs because they really want to help and meet students and they like to. So if an RA is putting on an event and invites you to go, I would recommend getting out and going. An RA also can be a great um, source of support. If you're unsure of, you know, what office to go to for something, they're another great connector, but they're a great first starting point. And they have regular activities that they put on just so that students can get together um, and they they range in the kinds of activities. So it could be as simple as let's go to dinner together, and or it could be a craft kind of night. It could be um, going somewhere off campus. So stay tuned for those. Similarly, I would recommend that students attend the area events. Um, a, a lot of the events are put on by other students in the area, and so they really are targeted at what students want to be doing and how to have fun together. So even if you just go out to observe it, it's a great way to meet people and um, get to know your area. Definitely, I would also say talk to the collegiate professor in your area. These are faculty members who have set aside part of their time on campus to connect with students. They really enjoy doing it. Um, So they can be a great ease into building a relationship with faculty and they can be a bridge. So if you're unsure um, about advice you, you might need, they can help you with that. They can help um, connect you to other faculty. Um, they're just a great resource. And then the last thing I would say is definitely give yourself some time to adjust. Um, coming to college is such a huge change. Often students are living with someone for the very first time, and that takes a lot of time to negotiate um, and get used to it. So um, communicating with each other and um, figuring out ways that work for you because the other big adjustment is how you might behave 
in high school and at home and how you behave at college is going to be different. And so giving yourself time to get used to that um, is a huge a huge thing that will help people give themselves a little bit of grace through the process. Awesome. Amy, thank you so much for talking with me today. You can learn more about Residential Life by visiting their webpage at the Binghamton University website. Just search Residential Life. That was a really great interview. So I really do want to emphasize just as a residential assistant, we really are here to do what the title describes. We're really there to help residents. We're there to answer questions, provide resources, and check in with well-being. So something that we do in um, as residential assistants are our B-chats. And really, it's just a way to connect with residents throughout the semester and throughout the entire year just to see how they're doing. And we specifically focus on belonging, well-being, and life skills. So we really are here to kind of check in on residents, make sure that you guys are getting what you need, um, feeling acclimated within the school. And if you are struggling, we're also here to either just be somebody you can talk to or help you find the resources you need to do well. Um, Something we also do is, again, just our community builders and our meetings. So we have community builders, which are more fun just to kind of de-stress after some classes. So you can find lots of those either hosted by your own RA or other RAs within your community. Um, And we can also just guide from our own personal experience because at the end of the day, we're also just students just like you. That's a great point, Victoria. And RAs are such a valuable resource. And it's one of the main components of living on campus and having that experience. Um, And then just to kind of tack on to that, I was a residence director for a couple of years prior to my current position with orientation. And I've worked directly with first year students. And my top tip is that you should utilize your residential life staff in your community. And Amy talked a little bit about this, but they live in the building with you specifically to be a resource for you. So get connected with them, get to know them. I also highly recommend getting involved in your living community, as Amy also mentioned. And with the many events and traditions that they have, it just really makes the experience more meaningful and exciting. As a student, I met a lot of great friends through participating in hall government and attending RA and community-wide events. So if you're worried about making friends or putting yourself out there, this is a great opportunity to do so. So moving on to our next guests, we have our conflict mediation interns from the Student Conduct Office. And if you recall in our previous episode on safety, we sat down with the Director of Student Conduct, Giselle Johnson, who talked about the conduct process and why it is in place. And so under that office, as part of the educational programs they put on, we connected with these interns to hear about how students can go about handling new conflicts, such as ones with their roommate. So let's play that interview now. All right, so we have Sonia and Addie here with us today. Can you both introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do within the Office of Student Conduct? So, hi, my name is Addie Nicholas. I'm currently a junior political science major, and I'm an intern with the Student Conflict and Dispute Management Program at the Office of Student Conduct. Hi everyone, my name is Sonia Nasser. I'm a sophomore and my major is philosophy, politics, and law. My role in student conflict and digital management program, much like Addie's, is an intern. So some of our responsibilities include sitting on a hearing board, 
facilitating mediation sessions, and educating the campus community on conflict resolution. Great. Well, I'm really excited to learn about this program. So let's jump right into our questions. So do you have any advice for new students who are transitioning to living on campus on their own? Sure. So when transitioning into college, uh, we think one of the most important things to keep in mind is, you know, staying open and trying to move outside of your comfort zone. So joining new clubs, talking to new people and making new friends is really one way to elevate your freshman year experience. It's also important to keep on top of your schoolwork, but also check in with yourself and make sure you're prioritizing your self-care. Freshman year is really the best chance to meet new people of differing opinions and different perspectives and open yourself to important and new conversations. Awesome. Great advice. So something that many students and their families worry about are potential disagreements with their new roommate and how to navigate those situations. Is this something you typically help students work through? Yeah. So when living on campus at college, you're typically sharing a room with a roommate. And no matter how close you are with this person, conflict is bound to happen because conflict is inevitable. But it's also important to remember that it's a great opportunity for growth. So we're going to present you with a common example of a conflict between roommates, and then we'll talk about methods for dealing with the conflict. So there are many different instances that can lead to a conflict, such as differences in lifestyles. So one example is that your roommate may choose to stay up late into the night, whereas you prefer to go to bed earlier. This can lead to arguments between you and your roommates regarding the lights being on and the level of noise being created while you try to sleep. So people have different conflict resolution styles that they use when handling conflict in their lives. But again, it's important to remember that there is not just one style of conflict management that's better than all the others. It's all very situational. So you just mentioned that there are different types of conflict resolution styles. Can you talk more about the different styles that there are? Yes, of course. There are five main strategies that people use when handling conflict. So avoiding is one strategy, and much like it sounds, it's removing yourself from the situation, so whether it's temporarily or not. So this would be a good strategy to use if emotions are high and people need time to process, or if the person you're in conflict with is not someone you wish to continue having a relationship with. A second strategy is accommodating. So this is a self-sacrifice method that would be best used when you know you're in the wrong or the issue is more important to the other person than it is to you. So some people try to reach a compromise in their conflicts. This is a third strategy, which is ideal for when a quick temporary solution is necessary. This may not be as fulfilling a solution to conflict because both parties tend to give up a little more in this method. Then we have competing. So competing is a much more aggressive strategy that's used to win an argument and is most useful in emergency situations or if you need to defend yourself from someone taking advantage of you in an argument. So for example, if you're in an argument with someone who's like your boss and they're trying to pull their rank on you. Finally, we have collaborating. So this is the most time consuming strategy, but it's also the strategy that leaves both parties fully satisfied because it addresses the wants and needs of both of you. So this would be best used when you're in a conflict with someone you care about, in which the issue is important to both of you, and you have a lot of time to work through it. 
Can you talk more about your conflict coaching workshops? Sure. So our conflict coaching workshop is offered year-round, and we outline four factors to consider when determining which strategy is best to use during a conflict. So the first one is time pressure. That's how quickly the conflict needs to be solved. Then you have issue importance, which is the extent to which the conflict contained important priorities or values. Then there's relationship importance. So how important is it for you to maintain a close relationship with the person you're in a conflict with? And then lastly, there's relative power. So how much power do you have compared to the other person that you're having that conflict with? We also stress the importance of active listening, which is listening to what the other person or party has to say, while also making sure to use I statements and speaking from your perspective, not from others. So it's important to participate in dialogue, not debate, which is something we really emphasize during our conflict coaching workshop. So you shouldn't be trying to convince the other person or trying to win the argument, but you should be trying to understand their perspective too and coming to a common ground that you can both agree on. So for our example about a roommate conflict over when to go to bed, consider those four different strategies um, and factors when trying to figure out what conflict resolution style would work for you. So you're considering when the best time would be to talk to your roommate. You're considering if it's important to remain friends with them. You also want to think about what you are and aren't willing to compromise on. So maybe considering the solution, you can decide to bring up the issue when you're eating lunch together. You can explain calmly that you prefer to go to bed at a certain time. And through a fair and calm conversation, maybe you could work on an agreement and schedule where at a certain time your roommate can go into the common room if they want to stay up or compromise where on the weekdays, there's a time where you both agree the lights should be off, but not on the weekends. So really the main gist of our conflict coaching workshop is that conflict should be seen as inevitable, but also a chance to build stronger relationships and practice your ability to have difficult but important conversations. Awesome. So what other educational and supportive resources do you offer for students through your programs? So we actually offer mediation sessions. If you're having a problem with a roommate or anybody else, you may want to consider seeking out mediation resources offered by the Office of Student Conduct. So when coming to the Office of Student Conduct for these services, you could just walk in or you can complete an online referral form. So at this point, an intake session would occur and outreach materials would be provided to you. Then the appropriate resolution would be identified, which could be mediation, restorative justice, or conflict coaching, depending on your situation. Finally, one of these sessions would occur with a trained faculty or staff member. So at a mediation session, you can expect to be given a chance to voice all of your concerns and share all of your feelings about the situation at hand while also listening to what the other person's concerns and feelings are. A trained mediator will guide the session, but any decision made as far as how the conflict will be handled are ultimately made by the involved parties. So the purpose of mediation session is ultimately to help you resolve whatever issues you're having, but how you get there and what resolutions are decided upon are up to you. 
Great. Addie and Sonia, thank you both so much for talking with me today. You can learn more about the Conflict Resolution Program and the Student Conduct Office by visiting their webpage on the Binghamton University website. Just type in Student Conduct. I really enjoyed learning about their program, and as I mentioned earlier, I was a residence director previously, and I have to say, this program would have been super helpful for a lot of students I have talked with and helped. Yeah, I agree. I really liked learning about the different ways to kind of deal with conflict. Um, I thought it was really interesting just to kind of talk about that because honestly, like they said in their interview, conflict is inevitable. And something I really want to hit upon just from my experience as a residential assistant is that it's okay to kind of experience that type of conflict, especially with your roommates. First of all, you might find somebody who could be your best friend, but you're just not meant to live with them. And that's totally okay. And it's also okay not to be best friends with your roommate. It's just okay to find what other what type of balance works for you. Also, it's really important to just communicate. So as I said, conflict happens. And as long as you address it with an open mind and understanding for the other person, it doesn't have to turn into something that's really scary or big. So really, it's also good to handle these issues on your own. It's totally okay to ask for guidance from friends and parents, but ultimately, it's great to practice dealing with conflict in the real world just to kind of get used to it. That's really great advice, Victoria. You're so wise. (laughs) Okay, so moving on to our next guests, we sat down with two student interns who work at the Multicultural Resource Center on campus, also known as the MRC. The MRC is a great place for all students to learn about diversity and inclusion and for students of color to have a safe space to turn to. They do a lot of programming on campus and support student organizations, and they also have a ton of on-campus and off-campus resources to give students in need. So let's take a listen. All right, I am here with Beatrice and Monica Grace from the MRC, or Multicultural Resource Center. Can you both introduce yourselves for us real quick? Hello, my name is Monica Grace Mukendi. I am a graduating senior. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am a human development major. Hi, my name is Beatrice. Um, My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm a sophomore computer science major and a marketing intern at the Multicultural Resource Center here at Binghamton. Great. Thank you both so much for speaking with us today. So Beatrice, can you tell us about what the Multicultural Resource Center is and what it offers to students? So the Multicultural Resource Center is a great resource to have um, in terms of, you know, transitioning into Binghamton and trying to find where you belong, especially with regards to your cultural, ethnic, or religious background. Um, The center is located on the ground floor of Bartle Library in Library of South Ground. And the Resource Center just offers a bunch of programs and workshops to help spread um, ideas of multiculturalism and diversity and inclusion. And so how did you both get involved with the Multicultural Resource Center? I learned about the Multicultural Resource Center through Handshake and Hire Bing, which is basically this platform where all um, job postings relating to Binghamton um, are found. And I 
wanted to get more involved with the Binghamton University campus and also delve a little bit deeper into marketing and communications, which is something that I'm interested in and something that I don't really get to um, dabble with because um, I'm a computer science major. And so I found this job posting for a marketing internship here at the Multicultural Resource Center, and that's where I got started. I got involved with Multicultural Resource Center through um, this organization that I am a part of, the Binghamton University chapter of the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. My uh, sophomore year, when I transferred into Binghamton University, I was an intern in the decorations committee, and we were... um, putting decorations together for their annual image awards, which the Multicultural Resource Center was co-sponsoring. So that was my first introduction into what the Multicultural Resource Center was, um, being in the lounge, being in that area. And then the following year, my junior year, I was the entertainment chair. So I was in charge of putting together image awards. So I worked closely with the associate director of the Multicultural Resource Center. And I was able to be in the lounge um, many times. And I got um, acquainted with a lot of the staff, um, the student managers and the other interns. Um, I knew them and I knew uh, how much of a resource the Multicultural Resource Center was. And I was able to really see, because I was immersed in the multicultural um, community on campus, how much um, the Multicultural Resource Center does for um, student organizations, student groups um, on campus. And then so when it was time for me to choose um internship site, for my um, human development and practicum, I gravitated towards the Multicultural Resource Center because I was already comfortable with um, the staff that was there. And I really liked the mission of the Multicultural Resource Center, what it works and aims towards the things that it does on a daily basis. So um, I ended up choosing that as my practicum site, and I was able to work under my supervisor to help out with programming, which kind of um, relates to what I want to do in the future, which is consulting. So I was able to help out with a lot of um, diversity consulting, but consulting in general. But under the Multicultural Resource Center, I was able to really hone in on those skills that would ultimately help me um, in my career in diversity and management consulting. And that's just another way that the um, Multicultural Resource Center serves as a resource in terms of career and professional development for um, undergraduate students of color, individuals um, a part of marginalized communities and intersecting identities. Awesome. So could you both elaborate on what you do specifically within the Multicultural Resource Center? So uh, again, I'm a marketing intern. And so I do a lot of promotional um, activities for the MRC. I help to make flyers and uh, posts to promote the events um, and campaigns that the MRC um, provides through various social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And um, a lot of the times, uh, some of the things that I will do will will be to create weekly or monthly cultural posts um, relating to specific cultural heritage months. Um, 
such as for Asian American Pacific Islander Month or um, <clears throat> for Black History Month and also for Women's History Month. And um, for me specifically, I help out with the programming. So in the same way Patrice just um, explained a lot of the um, the months and the cultural events that happen during these months, um, essentially I would be helping out with like the development of whatever programming that Patrice is uh, promoting. So I would help out under um, my supervisor or whoever else to um, develop that program to do research and provide a student perspective. That's what I was helping out with, developing workshops and um, future programming that the MRC will put together. So speaking of programming, how can new students utilize the Multicultural Resource Center as a space to help them transition and find belonging on campus? The MRC has a ton of great resources for students. Um, they have a multi-faith meditation and prayer room, um, a resource room, um, the MRC library, and much more. Um, they also host lots of events that Monica Grace also partakes in um, planning. And some of these events include um, cultural heritage celebrations, um, the MLK series. Um, there are also workshops that help educate the community on the topic of multiculturalism, diversity, and inclusion. There's also an intercultural welcome kickoff and monthly culture chats. And a lot of these programs were, you know, in-person events, which unfortunately um, some of them weren't able to be held during this school year. But since, you know, we'll be transitioning back to in-person starting next fall, um, I believe like a lot of these programs will um, come back and, you know, they'll definitely be a lot of fun for incoming students. And so for myself personally, you know, I didn't really get to um, engage with or participate in these in-person events, but I think um, Monica Grace can probably talk a little bit more about you know, how immersive the MRC is and how, you know, the uh, community is so welcoming and a great space for um, students to participate. Um, yeah, honestly, Patrice, you hit everything on the head, the nail on its head. I think that's the phrase. <laughs> um, everything that you said that the MRC does is um, the normal programming throughout the year. And additionally, MRC also um, collaborates with a lot of student organizations, provides funding to a lot of student organizations in order to um, help them put together their uh, famous events or events that they're known for, which also intend to bring together the multicultural community which is a huge aspect of um, MRC. I know for my organization, the Multicultural Resource Center has um, continuously collaborated with us in terms of funding to make sure we're able to put together image awards where we awarded um, various individuals on campus who are doing um, work within the community and as well as faculty giving them um, awards and just putting together an event where everyone can gather and be celebrated for their achievements. 
And then on a day-to-day basis, MRC just provides a lounge and even just the staff, people to speak to where students feel comfortable, students feel like they can um, express themselves. Oftentimes, I will go into the MRC and um, there are either people studying and doing work or there are people in the offices of various of the staff in MRC just talking to them, venting to them, having an hour venting session. And those things are very important, specifically on a college campus that can often feel very isolating, especially to students of color. Um, It's important to have a space where you feel like you can um, be yourself and be validated in your experience as well as your existence. So um, MRC is a really good place for that. Great. So in keeping with our episode's theme, can you both actually talk about your own transition to Binghamton University and how you found your place on campus? So I transferred to Binghamton University this past fall. And so I've been here for only two semesters. Um, And I currently live off campus, but all of my classes have been remote. So you know, in some ways, I do still feel new to Binghamton University because I haven't really had the chance to or the need to like be on campus too much and haven't gotten to see a lot of my classmates or professors in person. So um, it definitely does feel like I'm still transitioning into the community today. Um, And, you know, next seeing how classes and activities will be in person next semester, um, you know, that's another transition that I'll have to go to as well. But despite all that, I think I've been really lucky to still be able to um, find my way in Binghamton and be involved in, you know, this great community throughout the past year that I've been here, Um, especially, you know, because I've been able to be involved with MRC and uh, a lot of clubs and organizations as well. Um, And so, yeah. Um, I have a similar story, actually, to... Patrice, so I also um, transferred into Binghamton University, and my first year, I also lived off campus, and um, joining a student group was initially how I immersed myself into um, the multicultural community, as well as attending a lot of general body member meetings, um, which unfortunately a lot of them were not unfortunately but due to our situation everything was virtual most things were virtual but next year i'm sure that would change so um the mrc i was able to really connect with it through my organization as i said and then um, it helps with my transition to Binghamton University because I was able to find individuals that I connected to through my organization, through MRC, that helped me um, to build my own sense of community, my own sense of family on um, Binghamton University's campus, which is extremely important. And um, living off campus, in at first, it was feeling very like isolating because you don't have as many opportunities to connect with people outside of classes, outside of um, just interacting on campus, which is where a lot of interactions happen, as well as the dorms. A lot of people don't tell you that about um, when you transfer into a school or when you live off campus. Um, I knew this a little bit because I was a commuter student at my first school, and I did see that there was a drastic difference in being a commuter student and being someone who's more involved um, in terms of like 
living in the dorms and being able to interact with people outside of school, outside of classes. And um, I currently live in Twin River Commons, which is closer to the campus um, because all of the uh, buses go there. And then we're also close to the Binghamton University Downtown Center, which is where a lot of my classes were for my last um, year before um, we went all virtual. So I was able to um, connect with a lot of the students in that way. Awesome. Thank you both so much for talking with us today. You can stay up to date with the Multicultural Resource Center and campus events through their weekly newsletter that you can sign up for while visiting their office. You can also follow the Multicultural Resource Center on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at MRC Binghamton. And as always, you can visit their webpage on the Binghamton University website. Just search Multicultural Resource Center. Yeah, so the MRC is a really great resource for students, and our interviewees really did a great job of explaining what it has to offer. For me, it was really interesting to see that there's so many ways for different students to be a part of it. Yeah, I agree. And I was actually an MRC program intern when I was in undergrad, and I learned a lot from that position. I was able to work on my professionalism and express my creativity, all while working on awareness and doing meaningful work. So let's move on to our last guest for this episode. Um, I talked with one of the Q Center interns to learn more about what they do and how they create a space for students to belong. The Q Center is our on-campus resource office for faculty, staff, and students who are part of the LGBTQ community and allies to utilize resources and connect. So let's take a listen now. Okay, I'm here with Julia from the Q Center. Julia, can you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your experience as a first year student on campus? Hi, thank you for having me. So my name is Julia and I am a recent graduate from Harper College at Binghamton University, pursuing an MPA in the four plus one program. Um, As a first year though, so going way back, I felt it was really necessary to get as involved as I possibly could so that I could really find my place on campus. As a first year student, I did research, I was involved in the choir, I was involved with the Hillel on campus, so I did a lot of different organizations to meet the people who I now call my closest friends. Awesome, thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about what the Q Center is? Sure, the Q Center is the LGBTQ plus resource center on campus. Our mission is to support the success of the LGBTQ students, staff, and faculty at Binghamton University and to be a catalyst for scholarship. Um, if you're looking to get involved, to feel like you belong, the Q Center is a great place to start. So how can students utilize the Q Center as a space to find belonging and transition on campus? Yeah, the Q Center is a great space for this. We have our lounge, which students can come to use just to hang out, use as a multi-purpose study room, or we have a full lending library. We really stress that the space is open to everyone just to come and hang out and chat and to meet other people. Um, another way to use the space is going to some of our signature events. So we have regular game nights in which we play different games, whether related to LGBTQ identities or just for fun. Um, and we host annual events um, at the space to celebrate uh, 
LGBTQ history and pride, Trans Day of Remembrance and Day of Silence and other regular events. So there's a lot going on at the Q Center and always people around, always people to talk to. What are some ways first-year students can get involved at the Q Center? Yeah, we have several ways for first-year students to get involved at the Q Center through our Pegasus first-year experience. So the first part of Pegasus first-year experience is our Rainbow Welcome. Rainbow Welcome is an opportunity for first-year students to get involved by attending an orientation program. It's two hours of fun and learning about the center and campus and meeting so many different first-year students. Um, This year, we're also doing Rainbow 2.0, which is going to be an event that brings together both first years and sophomore LGBTQ plus students. Another way to get involved is through the Pegasus Programming Board. Uh, The board creates monthly events for our programs. And uh, before COVID, they did poetry and trivia nights, karaoke and skate nights off campus and so much more. So the board is open to students who had leadership experience um, in high school or any other kind of experience. And the third way to get involved is through the first year experience seminar. You could register for this class under the code UNIF100Q, and it's the ABCs of LGBTQ plus identities, histories, and culture. And this is a great seminar to help ease your way into a smooth transition to college, learn how to use library systems, best utilize professors, and so much more. So there's plenty of ways to get involved. So how can students find out more about your services? So to find out more about what the Q Center has to offer, uh, you could visit us at www.binghamton.edu slash centers slash LGBTQ for all of the information that we have available, including information about Rainbow Welcome. We're also very active on social media, and you can find us at Q Center Bing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, Also, you could always send an email to lgbtq at binghamton.edu and we will answer any and all questions that you have about the center and what we have to offer. That was great. I really enjoyed that interview um, and hearing about that really important resource on campus. And both the MRC and the Q Center are great places to help students find groups on campus that they identify with and help them feel supported. Yeah, definitely. So our next episode will actually be our last one of the series. We will talk all about how to prepare for move-in, including what you should pack and what move-in generally looks like. We will see you next Friday. Bye. Thank you for listening to our episode today. We hope you found it helpful. If you'd like to know more about the content we covered, or if you have any questions, we have a form on our podcast website to reach us. You can find it by going onto the Binghamton University New Student Programs website under the Resources tab and clicking on Podcast Series. You can also connect with us on social media. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bing Orientation, and follow our Facebook page. Binghamton University New Student Programs. Parents and families can join the official Binghamton University Facebook group called Binghamton University Official Families of Class of 2025. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Becoming Becoming a Bearcat. Bearcat.